It's time for Money for Lunch, where we feed your brain and your business with supersized portions of business and financial news. Now your host, Bert Martinez. You know, I say that a lot, but I mean this, uh, and I mean it every time because we are always fortunate to get wonderful guests. Uh, today, we're going to be talking to a man who in my opinion, changed an entire industry uh, by five magical words. He literally created a massive empire off these five words. Uh, but first, let's get started with the quote of the day. The quote of the day comes from Pele, the uh, championship soccer or football player, depending on where you're from. Success is no accident. It is hard work, perseverance, learning, studying, sacrifice, and most of all, love of what you are doing or learning to do. Success is no accident. All right, let's get this party started. Ladies and gentlemen, I am excited to have on the show Michael Buffer. Michael Buffer is an American ring announcer for boxing as as well as professional wrestling matches. He is known for his trademark catchphrase, let's get ready to rumble. He's, um, he's also known for pioneering distinctive announcing style, which is rolling certain words or letters. This guy, you've probably seen him not only on boxing matches, not only on uh movies, but you've probably seen them literally all over the world. Michael Buffer, welcome to Money for Lunch. Hi, Bert. How you doing? Doing great. Doing great. Good to have you here. Thank you for stopping by. Well, thanks for having me. You bet. Now, we uh, we got to meet ever so uh, quickly uh, at the uh, uh, International Sports Hall of Fame, where you were recently inducted uh, just of, uh, what, beginning of uh, March. Uh, so congratulations. Columbus, uh, Ohio, just a few weeks in ago. Colum- that's right, in Columbus, in warm Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> and, I guarantee it's it's warmer now because it just has to be. Yes, it, it just has it to get be. get any chillier. Yeah. Uh, but you know what? It was, not, it was actually pretty decent for Columbus weather. And I was so uh, uh, blown away by your story. And, and, you know, like a lot of things in life, you – if you don't know the inside story, you don't know the, 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 what do you call it? The full story. So I wanted to bring you on the show and let our audience hear about not only your story, but it, it's what's so remarkable about it is that it wasn't necessarily your intention. This was an idea that your son gave you when you guys were watching a boxing match, right? Yeah. Watching TV, a, a ring announcer, um, gave a a split decision and you know when you have that split decision it's kind of dramatic when uh, it's uh, you give the one fighter score then the other fighter score and your third score will reveal who won the fight if it's a title fight then you get to say and new you know or and still whichever one it is so the room gets quiet and you just it's you own the place it's an announcer's dream well, this announcer actually gave the two winning scores before the third one, and it kind of just took that drama away. My my son, Michael Patrick, who was, uh, I think, about 13 at the time, 
had a conniption because <laughs> he's, he's a super sports fan in the family. And, and uh, he's like, Dad, you could do that. And I thought, well, damn. You know, we lived back in the uh, early 80s, started having all these fights two, three t- times a week, pardon me. And, uh, you know, with the casino industry, an hour drive away, and I just got my foot in the door and it took off. That's incredible. All right, so l- let's let's talk a little bit about your background story because you, again, your your background wasn't uh, announcing or, or journalism. How did you, no. you know, what was your background prior to starting this empire? Uh, pretty much what comes my way will be lucky type of thing. I, you know, <laughs> I uh, wasn't necessarily the best student in high school. And uh, got out of high school in 63, and uh, by 1965, they were drafting everybody to go to Southeast Asia. And uh, I enlisted and spent three years in the Army from 65 to 68, and somehow never got west of Fort Knox, Kentucky, knock on wood. Just, you know, you enlist during a war, and you figure that's what's going to happen, and you didn't. Uh, got out in 68. I was uh, married then with my high school sweetheart and already had a baby. And then, uh, like like most people that get married at age 21, uh, that lasted about seven years, and we had another son. And I was single for a quarter of a century uh, during the 70s and 80s and 90s and having a great time. And this boxing thing came along in 82. I, I was a car salesman after the Army. Not necessarily a, a good one, just scraping by and then somehow um, stumbled into uh, modeling for a living in the uh, middle 70s. And that became a, a full-time job that kind of paid the way for a lot of things. And in 82, uh, got my foot in the door with this boxing thing. That's you know, what, what's incredible about this whole boxing thing, this announcing thing, really, because you do uh, you do more than just uh, boxing, uh, Stanley Cup and, and some other things. And and uh, you've been in movies. You're recently in the Dumbo movie that uh, is about to be released or just short or, or was released. Number recently, one Kurt? box office movie this weekend, Dumbo. Dumbo. Disney there you are. And, uh, and Tim Burton and. Uh, uh, that was a lot of fun, and and the movie's great. I, I suggest everybody go see it. A good, good family fair. It, it's all, it's on our schedule to go see it, so I'm excited. And and so I want to, if you don't mind, go back a little bit uh, because your childhood was kind of unusual. You, you were a uh, uh, you were brought up in 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 the what do you call it, in the foster system, right? You were, if if I remember correctly, you were an orphan. I you know actually. My, I was born born just at the end of World War II, November of '44. Um, my uh, birth father was in the Navy and on an aircraft carrier in the Pacific, and uh, so I went to live with uh, foster parents at the age of 11 months, and stayed with that family for the rest of my life, uh, which is like one of the greatest things that could ever happen. It was in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I had probably the greatest Leave it to Beaver childhood in the 50s that you could ever imagine. And uh, so uh, it's not like I was in the foster care system. I kind of was blessed with uh, going to a great family. And that's, you know, when I ever say my, my mother and father, that's who I'm talking about. Sure. 
Yeah, so so absolutely, you got lucky. I mean, to to be placed with this family from the age of eleven until uh, forever, for lack of better terms, until until going in the army break. at age tw- at age twenty. It's amazing. Yeah, still that still kept amazing. my room there when I got out. <laughs> <laughs> That's wonderful. All right, so here you are. You're you're uh, sitting there. Your, your son gives you this idea. You decide, yeah, why not? So so you you. What's your next step? You start thinking about this. You, you act on it immediately. Kind of walk us through this. Um, yeah, you know, I, I it was in '82, and uh, so I, I, not knowing that the promoters actually hired the ring announcer, not not TV or or the the venues, because you had all these hotels with fights in Atlantic City. So I, I sent um, a resume. I embellished it a little bit to each. Uh, hotel casino in Atlantic City, and one of the uh, entertainment directors there suggested to uh, a promoter, said, hey, why don't we use this guy? And uh, to tell you the truth, uh, Bert, I was dreadful. And that was in uh, October of 1982. And man, uh, you know, if I say I was dreadful, that's an insult to everyone who really is dreadful. I, I mean, I was like beyond horrible. And then... Uh, you know, I, I managed to look at the uh, tape and say, wow, that, that was pretty bad. Make some adjustments and got another chance six months later. And that was with uh, uh, a fight on CBS with uh, Sugar Ray Leonard, who was actually retired then as uh, as one of the uh, broadcasters for CBS, along with, I think, Tim O'Brien. And uh, Top Rank was the promoter, and they decided to start using me for all their fights in the East Coast. And in a year or two, they they were using me for all their fights from coast to coast on the ESPN. Wow. What I, what I like about the story so much is, first of all, again, you just went for it. Uh, you didn't have a, necessarily a, a background. You decided, yeah, I, I, I think I could do at least as good a job as this other announcer did. And you just went for it. Um, and, and then, of course, uh, like would be expected, your first time as an announcer, you don't do very good, as you said, you, you did terrible, uh, but you did what a lot of people wouldn't have done, and that is you looked at the tape, you said, okay, I can get better, you start uh, working on your skills, and then you try again, and it sounds to me like you hit a home run, because you're now involved with, uh, uh, what do you call it, uh, the promoter uh, fight run. What was it? Uh, well, I'm with the zone. I, this, uh, you know, after 37 years, 36 years of uh, doing almost all the fights on HBO, uh, working for the, the different promoters, top rank uh, mostly. A lot top rank. Made events and uh, Oscar De Loy's Golden Boy and that sort of thing. Uh, I signed a deal with uh, to be exclusive with the DAZN, D-A-Z-N, pronounced the zone uh, uh, streaming network and um, along with uh, exclusivity to matchroom boxing USA and, and matchroom boxing in London and uh, it's the first time I ever signed an exclusive contract I was always an independent all those years and uh, like a few months after I signed that contract HBO actually went out of the boxing business which would have been a big dent in uh, a lot of the work that I do so once again, you know, you, you talk about luck and knock on wood. And, and the, the funny thing is, at, at my age, I really thought I probably was going to retire at the end of last year anyway. I'll be 75 this year. And I feel good, and I feel like I can still uh, 
you know, do what I, I love doing. So uh, I, I made a deal with uh, DAZN and Matchroom, and it's, it's uh, one of the best things ever you could ever imagine. Yeah, that that is incredible. I, um, it, it's again, it, it's it really is part luck, but also luck only comes to those who are willing to risk it. And you were willing to take that second chance. And again, top rank picked you up. And and I think for like like most of us, uh, I'm thinking that you had a deal with HBO. I, I never would have thought that it was with the promoter. It just makes sense though. Once you understand the, the business a little bit. And, and uh, again, as you said, it's uh, you got lucky HBO gets out of that industry and, and you're still going. Let's look at, so, so here you are, you, you started, you're, you're now with top rank, you're going along, you're doing this for, uh, as you said, for uh, a lot of years. If, my producer uh, found that at one point your career almost came to a halt because you had throat cancer. Talk about this. Yeah, it's uh, 11 years now and uh, cancer-free. I've got uh, my next PET scan coming up in a few weeks. We do that once a year. And uh, it's uh, it, it's been a blessing. Uh in, in a sense that I, I think I enjoy life probably twice as much as I ever have. I, I you know, I, I wake up every day and uh, take the five dogs outside to do their business and make <laughs> breakfast and, and just in, enjoy every breath of air here. We're in Southern California, and it's uh, it, it's funny when things like that happen to you. You, you kind of think it, this might be uh, the end of a career, or maybe even uh, you know your own your own demise and. Uh, Sure. I found a, a great doctor, and uh, it was surgery. I didn't have to have chemo or uh, radiation. And um, just once again, uh, it's almost like I say uh, I enlisted in the Army during the war and never went west of Fort Knox. And, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a cancer survivor, and it's uh, 11 years and going strong now. So uh, sometimes you can really feel blessed and enjoy life. Yeah, that that had to have scared you. I mean, obviously, you're dealing with, uh, as you said, something that might end your life. It could end your career, and you yeah, come out I'll of surgery. I'll tell you something funny. That, that after I had, you know, when I had the surgery, um, I kind of I, they weren't sure because they had to go in and take out all the lymph nodes on the left side, my mm. tonsils and and part of my throat. So there was no. There was no guarantee. I mean, this doctor that I, I saw, he, he said, listen, I'm going to take care of the cancer. Uh, if you'll still be able to work, and I was 63 at the time, but that's another story. And I actually remember waking up in recovery, and, you know, curtains are all around me, and I'm by myself. And uh, once, you, you know, you wake up out of surgery, and you're right. kind of like, what's my name? And then you, you clear your head, and I thought, well, let's see if it works. And I said out loud... Ladies and gentlemen, I swear to God, just like, and my voice was there, and I thought, oh, it looks like I might be. And thirty days later, I was back in the ring. Wow, that is incredible. You got to feel so fortunate, as you said. You're so, you know, you're so blessed. You're, and you're able to uh, appreciate life on a different level. So, what an absolute miracle! Yeah, it's amazing. Okay, so uh, let's talk about the you know the those five incredible words let's get ready to rumble 
sure. you, if, if I'm not mistaken, and there are one of the things that you did that really elevated the entire uh, scope of your industry, at least as, as, as far as I could tell, is that you trademarked that catchphrase. You, your catchphrase it's makes my you property. money. It's your property. It makes you money yeah. 24-7, correct? Yeah. I have a great IP, uh, intellectual property attorney. And, um, it, it, you know, back in the late 80s, you know, I was doing those Tyson fights at uh, the hotels in Atlantic City. And it was like really a lot of national prominence with, with the fights that I was involved in. And so Let's Get Ready to Rumble started to pop up in, like, car dealers, radio ads, and, you know, and, and newspaper headlines on the sports pages. And I figured, well, this is – I kind of, like, created a monster here that I maybe I should, you know, get a hold of it. And after after four different lawyers that didn't know what they were doing, I finally found a guy that knew how to get everything registered and the classifications needed and that sort of thing and uh, became a registered trademark. And it's it's the same as it's protected, just like uh, songwriters' uh, music or a, uh, a a screenwriter's uh, you know screenplay, that sort of thing. So it's it's intellectual property; it belongs to me. That's incredible. And if somebody, uh, let's say you mentioned a car dealership, if a car dealership or another entity <laughs> attempts to use this to try to enhance their product or sell their cars or sell their widgets, then you obviously have a claim on them and you can say, Hey, uh, you, you're, you're infringing on my property. And uh, yeah, I have, I have an office that works year round with, uh, with our attorney, um, taking care of uh, claims and, uh, cease and desist and, and that sort of thing. And it's, uh, um, it actually uh, I, I makes uh, it makes a few bucks sometimes. Uh, some years it's, it's pretty good because somebody's in, in, a, in a bad violation. Most times it's accidental stuff. You know, somebody might be a, a DJ might be using it to open a show or something. And, and the, the reason you have to protect it, an onion only has so many layers that you can peel off at a time. And so if it if you just let anybody use it or everybody use it you're you're losing the value and you know i've i've done quite a few national commercials and uh, endorsements and that sort of thing with uh, along with the trademarks so it's it's something that is uh, of value to me sure well and, and this is how important this trademark is uh, and you correct me if i'm wrong a lot of people may not know the name michael buffer but most people if they hear "Let's get ready to rumble," they associate that with somebody, with something. They certainly associate it with boxing. They know that catchphrase probably more than they know your name. Would I be right? Yeah, no, you're right. You're absolutely correct. You know, and they'll they can associate it with a, a face. Uh, they don't always have to know my name, but it's uh, the, the the phrase actually is bigger than uh, than I am and and that's exactly why I trademarked it and it's uh, um you know it's taken me to uh, the world series stanley cup playoffs uh, nba finals college uh, you know introducing college teams and that sort of thing with recordings and in person and everything else so it's uh, it's it's been a great uh, a great way to make a living but as a sports fan 
it's even a thousand times greater for me to be able to go to these events and just enjoy something that I've I've always loved, whether it's a you know a NFL championship or an NBA a title game. So it's it's rather exciting. Sure, and I was watching a couple of clips when you do your famous catchphrase, and every time that I saw you do it, it seemed to bring joy to your face. Do you still get excited about it? I mean, it just every time you said it, it seemed like it kind of lit you up a little bit. I'm I'm glad you noticed that because it actually does. You know, the, sometimes uh, the sports fan. Uh, Michael Buffer is, uh, is more excited than the announcer Michael Buffer. And, uh, you know, let me give you an example. Um, I, I think most of us have probably seen the uh, the movie about uh, um, the, uh, the the singer. The, uh, geez, he won the Academy Award for it. You know, uh, I'm losing my mind here. Uh, Freddie Mercury. And, oh, okay, uh, yeah, yes, Queen, yeah. sure. Yeah. And that, that awesome scene where he's performing at Wembley, and you just get goosebumps when you see the reaction of the crowd when he's performing. I've done fights in Wembley Stadium with 90,000 people. And it's so exhilarating and so exciting that I can hardly, I can't wait to do the introductions and get out of the ring and watch the fight because I know it's going to be, you know, even, it just, there's something uplifting about a, a fantastic crowd and the reaction. And, uh, you know, then uh, later on, uh, I still have this thing where I love to look at uh, uh, a tape of what I've done and always try to be better, just like I did that very first time when I was horrible. I still am my own worst critic. So I'll look at it and I'll say, wow, that crowd really got into it, you know, and I didn't realize it at the time because I was so excited as a fan. that I didn't realize how exciting the crowd was, and it really is it's really sensational to feel that reaction and, and, and to know you've been responsible for, uh, you know, people, uh, you know, getting into a sporting event. So, uh, yeah, I, I love what I do. And, and it, to me, it absolutely shows. Uh, when you were thinking about trademarking your cap, your catchphrase, uh, was it, I mean, as you said, you started realizing that other people were using it. Was that the, the aha moment uh, that you said, hey, I, I do need to go ahead and, and, and trademark this? Or, or, or was there another inspiration behind that trademark? Because so many other announcers have come and gone, and of course they've never trademarked a catchphrase, and I can't even remember one that stands out now. Yeah, well, actually, in, in boxing, nobody ever really ever had a catchphrase. Now it seems like everybody has to have a... Um, you know, let's get ready to make some noise, and let's get uh, uh, let's throw the leather or whatever. I mean, it, right? Uh, it, it's it's really funny. It's I I think I've created an, an industry of uh, you have uh, of, of <laughs> ring announcers uh, trying to come up with some kind of a hook, or, you know, whatever. But in my case, you know, it, it wasn't. I I didn't do it to uh, say, wow, if I say this, it's going to make a couple of bucks for me. I, that wasn't the thought. The original reason that I came up with it was, uh, you know, in this uh, era of the 80s, 90s, etc., the fighters now come to the ring for the main event with music, and the crowd gets into it, a spotlight on the fighters, and, and uh, it's, it's exciting, and then they get in the ring. The music stops, and the ring announcer 
this is like 35, 40 years, would introduce all of his buddies on the boxing commission. This is kind of like how it started. Mm. Inclu- and then you had uh, supervisors, executive director, the chairman, commissioners, four doctors, the three judges, the referee, the supervisor for the uh, the world-sanctioning uh, body, and their president. You've literally killed the crowd. And I <laughs> wanted something that would bring the energy back to when I introduced the stars of the show. And, uh, you know, that famous, famous line from the Indy 500 with, gentlemen, start your engines. Yes. The place goes nuts because it means one thing. The race is about to begin. And I wanted something that would let the fans know, now you're going to meet the stars of the show and the fight's going to begin. After putting you to sleep with all those introductions of 18 other people you don't even care about. Right. And, you know, so I, you know, I came up with the uh, man your battle stations and fast jack. You know, I was trying different things, and <laughs> the the greatest of all times, Muhammad Ali, used to be. Uh, you can look it up on YouTube. You know, the, before at weigh-ins and press conferences, and he would just he was such a great showman and salesperson for his events. Uh, he would say, uh, "I'm so pretty. I'm ready to rumble, rumble, young man, rumble." You know, and it float like a butterfly, sting like a bee, all right. those things. And so I started to say, "Let's get ready to rumble." And um, it's a lot different than the way I say it now, but it, it I stayed with it, and uh, I guess I'm kind of glad I did. No, it's incredible, uh, and. And again, you're, uh, you know, my research, and again, not that I did hours and hours, but I could not find another announcer that had a catchphrase. And here's, to me, one of the lessons in your story is that you took something that, again, hundreds of people, maybe thousands of people had done before. You were looking for a way to set yourself apart, to elevate it. You come up with this catchphrase. And you change the industry. I mean, like you said, there are other announcers out there who now see what Michael Buffer has done, and they realize, wow, these minutes that I have in the spotlights, in the spotlight, can create an empire. And that's what you've done. Those five words changes a whole industry. Um, well, yeah, I guess <laughs> if you say so, Bert, <laughs> you're, you're trying to be humble and I appreciate that, but that's really what happened yeah. because I don't want know, to blow my own horn, but I'll let you do it. Sure. Thanks. A lot. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. But okay. So, so let's look at this. Uh, one of the things that, uh, uh, that happened to you, uh, later on is you met your, uh, your, I guess it'd be half brother, uh, my, uh, yeah. Bruce Buffer. Right, and and, I, right. and it seems like you've taken him under your wing a little bit. He's got his his catchphrase, and yeah. and talk about talk about how that all came about. Well, you know, I I, I as I mentioned, um, I was uh, born at the, at the end of the war, World War II, and um, my biological dad came back from uh, the Pacific and stationed in Japan after the war, and ends up, uh, you know. Uh, gets back together with his wife who he married as a teenager and, and they go their own separate ways and uh, while I grew up and always knew my my biological mother I would see her every week uh, she you know uh, 
and as I stayed with my mom and dad, and then I had uh, my uh, my other uh, so-called real mother, a birth mother. That you know, it was great at Christmas time. You know, you get two different Christmases, and uh, uh, I never had never met my uh, biological father. And a funny thing happened uh, when I was raised by foster parents. I used their last name through uh, grammar school, high school, went in the army. Had a social security number under the name uh, Huber H U B E R, and of course in 1965 they want to make sure you're not a commie spy, so they found out I was never legally adopted, and that Buffer was my actual birth name on a birth certificate. So when I my went to be inducted into the army and raised my hand, I said, "Oh, by the way, your name is uh, actually Buffer." So in 1965 I became Michael Buffer. That was how. I ended up meeting my birth father because uh, in 1989 I was working in Los Angeles and got a message from uh, someone who said uh, uh, someone named Joe Buffer would like you to call him. And I knew exactly who it was. I knew his name and everything. I thought, hey, this is cool. Get to be my uh, talk to my uh, birth father. You know, I was like in my 40s at the time, and so uh, we connected as a, as another um, branch of my family. And uh, he had two sons who. You know, of course, they're my half-brothers, and uh, it turned out to be great. Uh, Bruce was like the businessman of the family, and uh, so there was a point in the early 90s, I started getting all these, I'm getting calls, and you can't really represent yourself, uh, right. saying like, well, I, well I, I, I want this much to do this or that or that sort of thing. And I said, listen, you know, uh, why don't you act as my agent, field these calls, and you know, put deals together, and we'll, we'll work out a you know commissions, everything. And then one thing led to another, and with the trademark, we decided to to form a, a partnership where he would like you know represent the trademark and me as an agent and that sort of thing. And and it took off. And then um, in the uh, early '90s, I did a few of these things called UFC fights. <laughs> <laughs> uh, before that, before it was like really like off the charts, and I had a contract with WCW Wrestling on Turner Broadcasting, which was huge at the time. And they thought uh, I'd done three UFC events, and they felt like it was uh, like a conflict of interest with my contract. And I, I have to agree, it was. And uh, so Bruce, who actually is is uh, uh, MMA trained himself, and and you know had a feel for it, and he's always been a he's a great speaker and all that. Uh, he got his foot in the door and just owned it, and uh, and he's the voice of the octagon now. After geez, I think he's been doing it 20 years, so wow. it's just great keeping it in the family. And he's he's uh, a, a superstar in the MMA uh, industry and and with the UFC, he's just known all over the world and creates a lot of excitement. has has a completely different style uh, than I do, but it's so appropriate and so perfect for. Uh, uh, MMA fighting that uh, it's just become great and uh, you know he's going to be uh, around for a long time yeah no it's incredible it, it's uh, it's uh, one of the things and I say this jokingly you have a catchphrase that has five words Bruce's has I think two words right it's time so it's time it's time <laughs> So whatever you did, you taught him really well, and he said, hey, you know what? If my brother can do it in five, I can do it in two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. 
Well, that is awesome, man. I, uh, you know, I am, am so, uh, what do you call it, fascinated by what you have been able to do in this industry that, again, thousands of people or at least hundreds of people had come before you had never been able to achieve what you have done, but you took this, this, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, as a you said, this job and made a living out of it, you know, yeah. it's, it's really amazing. You know, there, a ring announcing was never anything anybody made a living at. I mean, uh, the first, the first job I had, it was 150 bucks, you know, it was wow. just, uh, you had to be local and, uh, and be able to do it. And then, you know, occasionally, uh, you know, a, a Philadelphia guy might go to New York or uh, whatever, and but it was never really something that someone made a a, a living at. And, I, and the big boost, more than anything, was that in uh, 1983, when I was really kind of doing fights regularly for Top Rank and Bob Arum, the um, this fledgling network called ESPN, the number one mm. show was was boxing, top-ranked boxing on ESPN. And because they didn't have the program the programming they have today, I mean, they have like four channels now, five channels with Monday Night Football and just every possible sport, you know, major sport there is, baseball, et cetera. Um, they would rebroadcast the fights six, seven times a week. So at two in the morning or, or uh, 12 noon, whatever, all different times all during the week, you could watch boxing, and so it, you didn't have the internet, so fight fans could see a fight. You know, it would be the whole night of boxing. They'd have like a two right. and a half, three hour show. Fight fans could watch a fight that they didn't, you know, they didn't even know about. You know, today with the internet, you're always going to find out, who, you know, what was happening. So it was a great source of uh, viewership and uh, exposure for me, and that, that really helped uh, everything in my career. Yeah, absolutely. Again, it's it's that timing uh, that you've been so fortunate to have over and over again. Again, this is the, the you know at least one of the key takeaways from from watching you or, or, or looking at your career is that it's you, you take this minute or you know this this career opportunity that you have, and you can look at it and say, oh, nobody's ever made any money at this and nobody's going to remember who I am. And I'm just going to, you know, I'm just here to pick up 150 bucks or whatever it is. And, and you, and you don't put your heart into it uh, or you put your heart into it and you try to make it your own and you try to develop it. And, you know, uh, you become something huge. Yeah. I, um, it just, it grew and it grew. And uh, like I say, I always, I always wanted to be better. I, you know, uh, I, I, if I see something that I think would would work better, or uh, you know, I, I, I've tried to uh, I've tried to say less through the years instead of like em over embellishing things. I mean, I'll, I'll watch an announcer say, um, uh, like, use the word introducing five and six times in his introductions. You know, introducing mm. the judges, introducing the. Well, you don't have to that you don't have to say that. Just the very fact right. that you say the judges are <laughs> and the referee is, you know, that sort of thing, instead of like saying the same word over and over or um saying words like presenting here is please welcome. You don't really have to juice it if you use your own voice to make it big, you know, uh, as far as the introduction goes. Uh, instead of like it's almost like 
tried begging the audience to uh, to cheer the uh, introduction on. So just little things, saying victories instead of wins. I remember when I mm. started doing that, and I I I used to think like I'm going to start to say you know uh, 35 victories. It just has a like nice dramatic feel, and I thought. I wonder how soon it will be before another announcer starts to say it. And it was like a week. <laughs> it was amazing. I almost like did it and thought like, you know, I'm going to lay a trap here just to see how, how soon it takes this to happen. But yeah, you know, little things that you, you, you kind of like to feel as though you own it, but then it, you know, it, then it becomes uh, everyone starts to use it. So, but it's fun and I love it. And I still do, and I'm going to do it for another couple more years and uh, ride a horse out into the sunset. Well, Michael, I want to thank you so much for stopping by and, and want to wish you uh, continued success uh, now that you're going to be international uh, uh, with uh, your new uh, contract. And if somebody wants to get a hold of you, if somebody wants to find out about maybe having you come into a movie or an event or something like that, your website is letsrumble.com. That's us. Yeah, sure. Reach out. No problem. Great. Michael Buffer, thank you again so much for stopping by today. Uh, my pleasure. I want everybody to go see Dumbo. Uh, I am Baritone Bates, the ringmaster in the circus, and it was a lot of fun working with Tim Burton. And coming up on DAZONE on uh, April 26th, we have a big fight out of uh, the Forum in uh, Los Angeles and Cinco de Mayo Weekend. Canelo Alvarez fights Danny Jacobs for the middleweight championship. And the weekend after that, it's uh, A.J. Anthony Joshua, the heavyweight champion, against Bib, uh, Jarrell Big Baby Miller. So a lot of boxing coming up. A lot of boxing. Um, I'm, uh, I'll be looking for you, and, uh, and hopefully we'll catch up soon. All right, Bert. Thank you for having me. You bet. Good stuff there from Michael Buffer. And ladies and gentlemen, it just goes to show you, it's that old saying, there are no small parts, only small players. How many announcers could have done what Michael Buffer did, but didn't have the creativity, didn't have the passion? So it's not that somebody couldn't have done it. They just, I don't know, they just weren't connected. They didn't own it. They just thought, hey, this announcer gig is not going to go to anything and you just never know. So there are no small parts, just small players. That's the story I get from Michael Buffer. The five words that literally created a billion-dollar empire when you start looking at all the stuff that uh, he's trade – or the money that he generates from his trademark and, ha and then helping out uh, his brother, uh, Bruce Buffer, who is also uh, – as he mentioned, a UFC announcer and has trademarked that. These guys are great examples of what you can achieve. They're worth studying. Check them out. Their website, letsrumble.com, letsrumble.com. Share this episode with everyone that you know. Let's help as many people as we can start thinking about uh, how they can take whatever they're doing and maximize it. And as always, my friends, remember you were created to succeed. Tune in Monday through Friday here on Money for Lunch and check out our website at moneyforlunch.com.